good to be back in God's house. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Give you a minute to get there. I'm going to read uh, 11 verses here tonight, Romans chapter 6, and uh, then I'm going to go back and go uh, one by one through each verse and break it down and explain what God's saying to us through His Word. So, uh, talking about a subject, um, it's kind of really uh, overlooked, I think, by the church, by a lot of teachers, a lot of preachers. Uh, I have no doubt that uh, Brother Spencer teaches it and preaches it regularly because uh, he's he's faithful to the word but uh, I, I do uh, I've been studying it and I want to I want to break down and show you some things that God showed me through the scripture tonight so uh, we're gonna we're gonna read uh, these verses here Romans 6 and chapter 1 or Romans 6 and verse 1 excuse me what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound God forbid how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of, of the Father, even so we, are, we also should walk in newness of life. For if, we, uh, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, uh, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no dominion over him. For in that he died, he died to sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead, indeed, unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll get into it here. Lord, thank you for another opportunity uh, just to uh, be able to try to uh, do the best that I can to teach your word. I'm nothing, I'm nobody, I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God. And I pray that uh, you would... Take the scripture tonight, Lord, and help us to uh, glean from it that we would uh, not just know and, and learn stuff for knowledge, but that we would grow closer to you through your word. Sanctify us with your word here tonight. God, and I pray that if there be anybody here tonight that's lost, uh, may seem like a strange thing to say on a Thursday night, uh, but I, I do pray, God, that if there be anybody here that's here that's lost, God, that you would draw them to you, Lord, for salvation. And God, I pray that you would uh, be glorified. Uh, in this reading, studying of your word tonight, and help each one that's here to have ears to, to listen, Lord, and help us to uh, understand and comprehend what you're saying to us here in your word. Help me not to stray from it, God. I pray that you'd help me to be plain spoken in what I'm saying, Lord, not to be uh, uh, smart in, in my own ways, but God, just to be plain spoken in what your word says. I love you, and I thank you for saving me, and I thank you for your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Spencer, uh, I was here a couple Thursdays ago, and he kind of was he, he was in Romans, um, and just kind of give you an intro of what, what's going on here. The book of Romans, uh, it was written to the, uh, the church that was in Rome at the time, a Christian church that was in Rome. 
Paul actually wasn't there when he wrote the letter to him. He was he was desiring to go there, and it's what uh, Brother Schmitzer had said. Uh, the other time that he had been hindered to be able to go there, uh, he had a desire to go there, and he said in part a spiritual uh, gift into him. He wanted to teach him uh, the Word of God, but um, most likely the church in Rome was started by believers that were converted uh, at Pentecost. They came from Pentecost, uh, went back to Rome, and they started a church there. Uh, and they were they were growing. They were a, a church that was already established. Uh, as much as our, our Catholic friends would like to say that Paul or Peter started the church in Rome, uh, God started the church there, and uh, well, he started at Pentecost, and then it kind of it went on to Rome. So, uh, just to kind of give you an idea of what's happening up to this point, Paul uh, in verse or in chapters one through five. He's laying the foundation. Uh, Romans is probably my favorite, not probably, it is my favorite book in the Bible. Uh, but in chapters 1 through 5, Paul's given the foundation of our faith. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. All, all through those chapters, in justification by faith, how we're saved uh, is by grace through faith. And, and he really nails that home, uh, drives it home in chapters 1 through 5. Uh, but that, that's, that's where it gets us up to this point. And then now in chapter 6, he turns to um, the issue of what we would call sanctification, which is it, it's just a big word uh, of, of saying to be made more like God, to be conformed to His image, to grow in holiness and uh, grace and knowledge of the Lord. That, that's just the, the plainest way that I can put it. It's what it means. Um, but that's, that's where we're at here in, uh, in chapter 6. And so... I guess you can ask the question here, what is sanctification? Well, I pretty much just told you. Uh, it, after you're born again is when you start your process of sanctification. Yeah. You're sanctified and then you become sanctified. More God works in you in a process uh, throughout the rest of your life as a believer until the day that you go and, and to be glorified. And so it's something that's a, it's a progressive thing that we see in the life of a Christian. Uh, it's maturing in our faith and being more... Uh, being made more like Jesus Christ each day of our lives. Okay, what is sanctification not? Now, I could probably stay here all night and tell you what it's not. Um, it's not something that happens before you're saved. We do not grow into Christians. We don't, we're not born and, you know, we start doing things here and doing things there and then one day, you know, we just all of a sudden wake up and we're a Christian because we've been doing all these things for a long time. That's not how sanctification works. Uh, we are dead in sin. We, uh, when we become regenerated by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit, then, at that point, we begin to grow in Christ. It's not something that happens prior to salvation. So just a, uh, just a couple of things that we hear pretty often. Uh, a lot of times you'll hear people say, uh, I've got to get a few things taken care of, and then I'm going to get into church. I'm going to get into church. I've got some things I've got to take care of in my life, and I'm going to get into church. Well, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you all know this, but just uh, as plain as I can put it, being coming to church or starting to come to church, it's never saved anybody. I'm sure you've probably heard the old saying that I can go and stand in the car all day long and doesn't, or go stand in the garage all day long and doesn't make me a car. Same with salvation. I can, I can come to church every Sunday, every Thursday, Sunday night, uh, every night of the week. I can come out here and sit by the door. Uh, when nobody's here, none of those things make me a Christian. So uh, that's something that we do here a lot. Never saved anybody. And those things that we do doesn't make us closer to God, any closer to God, because we're still, remember, we're still dead in our trespasses and sins. Or you'll hear somebody say, well, I've quit doing X, Y, Z, you name it. I quit smoking pot. I quit, 
getting drunk, I quit taking pills, I quit cussing, those type of things. That doesn't make you a Christian either. Uh, it, it's something that we try to do, uh, people try to do, a lot of people, and maybe you've been in that boat, I know I have, tried to do things in our life to straighten ourselves up. Uh, we quit doing this, quit doing that, quit doing this. None of those things are, are none of them have any weight, honestly. Um, Vody Bauckham once said, and I, I think it's a good quote, Missy shared it here, I think it was last week, uh, but he made the, made the comment, hell will be filled with people who didn't drink, didn't cuss, and may even have been baptized. That's right. Why? Because none of those things make you a Christian. Not one of those things. So a lot of times we see uh, people trying to do the things that happen during the process of sanctification before they're even saved, before they're even justified. Uh, and so that's just a couple examples. I could go probably all day with examples of that. Um, but what, that, what that's doing there is what we read in Matthew uh, 23 and 25. It says, thinking that they can clean up, okay? It says, making clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. It's, it's pretty plain and simple. Uh, you've heard the, the old saying, putting lipstick on a pig. That's basically what it's doing. Um, but once we're saved, we begin to grow uh, grow in Christ, grow in holiness, right. uh, and God grooms us each day yes. of our life in different situations, different things we go Amen. through to make us more like Christ, no matter what it is. Um, and it's all for His glory, too. I was thinking about uh, this, just an illustration of, uh, of cleaning up the outside. Uh, we've all been, please don't get offended when I say this, uh, we've all been to funerals before, and uh, unfortunately, we all have to go to funerals. And we'll go to funerals, and a lot of times they'll they'll cut our hair, they'll put our best our best clothes on, all these things, and then you'll you'll stand around and somebody will say, "Well, he looks good, don't he?" Or she looks good, don't he? And I can't help but to think every time anybody's ever said that, I want to say, "No, he looks dead," or "She looks dead." Uh, they, nobody ever, you know, a dead person never looks good. Never, a dead person cannot do anything. Uh, it's respectable, you know. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but uh, I kind of was thinking about this today, and it came to my mind. Um, is it doesn't matter what we do, what we look like. Uh, none of those things make us a Christian. So, uh, Verse 1 and 2, we'll break it down here. It says, What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So kind of uh, in reference to chapters 1 through 5, when Paul was teaching on uh, justification by faith, talking about the grace of God, you kind of see this, this question come. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue with sin? In sin, uh, in chapter 5 we read that grace, where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. Um, we read that, but then we see this question come up. Well, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin? Shall we just, shall we just sin because, we have, because grace abounds? And use that as our excuse. Um, well, you can see pretty clearly here in verse 2, it's a strong statement. God forbid. Um, I, I would dare to say uh, if the Apostle Paul is asked this question, he probably that was probably an answer where he's not very happy to have to answer that. Uh, I could almost see him saying, well, I just told you for five chapters, you knucklehead. Didn't you understand what I said in the, in the previous chapters? Uh, he says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. Uh, it, it's, it's something that, that's uh, commonly quoted, never really explained that much. Um, 
God's grace must not be abused. It can't be abused. It can. People do it all the time. They abuse the grace of God and use it as a pull their grace card out. They do this, they do that, and pull their grace card. Well, I'm saved by grace. And that is so true. We are saved by grace. Don't get me wrong. I am the far, farthest person from somebody that's legalist than anybody you've probably ever seen. Uh, but we are saved by grace, but it's not an excuse to just sin because right. we're saved. Um, and, and that's what Paul's getting out here when he says, God forbid. And that's uh, the Holy Ghost inspired those scriptures. So it's not just Paul that's saying that. That's right. um, but we run into a thing uh, throughout the scriptures and, and even in the, the day and age that we live in. Uh, it's a thing called antinomianism. Uh, so it's a big word, but I'm going to tell you exactly what it means. It's just an abuse of God's grace. Right. It's something where people use grace as a license to do this or to do that. And they say, well, I'm covered by grace. I'm covered by grace. They, it, what it is, I read an article a couple days ago that called it convictionless Christianity. And that's a good way to explain it, I believe. Uh, it's a true statement it, because these people use grace as a, as a uh, get-out-of-hell-free card a lot of, a lot of times. It uh, doesn't confront the believer with a life that's full of repentance. That's, that's what a, a true believer's life looks like. Not repenting because we're not saved or to be saved. We're, we're saved, but then we live a life of repentance because of who we serve, who our master is, who's our, who our Lord is. I'm not just going back and saying, Lord, please don't cast me out. Please don't cast me out. I'm saying, God, I'm sorry. I've messed up. I've messed up again. And you, God's still there to say, my grace will cover you, son. But thank thank God for that. But uh, antinomianism is, is something that's the opposite of that. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't have uh, it, there's no confrontation of sin. It's convictionless Christianity. That was a good way, good definition that I read. It doesn't keep us focused on Christ and Him crucified. Uh, antinomianism is uh, rejects kind of the moral laws of God. It says, well, just because we're saved uh, doesn't mean that we have to. We don't still live morally. We don't still do those things. Well, Jesus said himself that he didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill them. He wasn't just coming and saying, all right, Old Testament, you're out of here. Uh, now, there's a lot of crazy laws that people think that we have to follow that we don't. Um, but we, should, we still should live a, a life that uh, has morals uh, yes. because that's God's character. The Ten Commandments just is a picture of who God is, his character. Yes. Uh, and we see that. And that's what Jesus himself even preached. So, uh, verse 2 here's got something big I want us to look at. As Christians, someone who's been born again, you go from being dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians chapter 2, to being dead to sin. Right. Romans 6 and 2, it says, How uh, shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So, Ephesians 2 says we're dead in sin. Romans chapter 6 says we're dead to sin. That's a, that's a big difference there. We go from being dead in our sins, uh, lost, on our way to hell, to being dead to sin. What does that mean? Well, that could probably raise a question to a lot of people that would read this. They would read it and say, wait a minute now. Does that mean that I'll never sin again because I'm dead to sin? I'm dead to it. I'm not, gonna, I'm not ever going to sin again? Well, you can find people that will tell you that. Uh, you can, uh, there's, there's a whole, you know, whole group of people that... that uh, preach a thing called sinless perfection, and uh, they're deceived. Honestly, that's yes, that's sir. the God's honest right. truth. Um, but we we go from being dead in sin to dead to sin. But only Jesus can make that change. Oh, only Jesus can do that. Amen. Jesus Christ is the one that makes dead man 
become alive. Think of it with Lazarus, the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Only Jesus Christ could go to that tomb and say, Lazarus, come forth. I could go, Spencer could go, Seth could go, any of you could go and say, Lazarus, come out of there. It wouldn't, it wouldn't do any good. It wouldn't do any good. It wouldn't, it wouldn't cause the death to leave. But only Jesus Christ can do that. Um, but that's not what it means. It, not, it doesn't mean that we're sinless. It doesn't mean that we'll never sin again. And as a matter of fact, we're still really good at sinning. Every one of us are. To be honest, if you're honest with yourself, you've probably, and I have too, sinned more in the past 20 minutes that we've been in here than you'd like to admit with thoughts and things in your mind. Because that's just who we are. We're still, we're still uh, fallen creatures because of Adam and our fallen nature. The sin that entered mankind because of the fall that happened in the garden, we're still sinners at our best. Uh, it's been said, quoted all throughout church history. I'm not even real sure who, who the quote goes back to. But it says that the best of men are men at best. On our best day, we're not good enough, each one of us. Uh, and so to say that we never sin is, is uh, really, to be honest with you, it's just heresy. Um, but to answer the question with Scripture, we'll go to 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. I'll, I promise I'll read you from the Bible. Uh, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, now why would we have to confess our sins if we didn't have any? He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him, who's him? Jesus Christ. We make him a liar and his word is not in us. So to answer that question, to, because we're dead to sin, does that mean that we'll never sin again? The scripture very clearly answers it. Anytime we have questions with, with the scripture and stuff that it says, we don't have to go, I don't have to go to somebody else for the answers. I don't have to wait for a priest to tell me something. I can go straight to God's word and it yes. always clears it up. It's not going to contradict itself. His word is true. Yes. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. Uh, I could tell you something and get it wrong and, and, and honestly just be lying to you. Not even realize it. But God's word is true. But it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So thinking that we're quote-unquote holier than thou and, and we don't sin and we, we live this perfect life and all these things, there, none of those things are true. We're still just vile, wretched sinners. At, the, at our best, that's what we are. Uh, but it says we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. Now, on towards the end of that, to me it gets a little bit more serious. To deceive myself is bad. But on towards the end it says if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Now that's blasphemous, calling God a liar. God's not a liar. Actually, he's the total opposite of it. God is truth. Uh, and so if, if we go to the, to the end of that, we see that if we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar. And John wasn't writing in 1 John here to a bunch of heathen, unsaved people. He was writing to the church because so many times throughout that, that, uh, those books, that, it, that 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he calls them beloved. My little children. That's not terms that was used for lost people, for the heathens that were around them. It was terms for the church. Uh, and so we see that there. That answers that question that comes up is, well, because I'm dead to sin, does that mean that I'll never sin again? Absolutely not. That's not what it means. And if anybody ever tells you that, just know that it's not true. Because Not because Marcus said it on a Thursday night in the upper room, because that's what the Bible says. All right, verses 3 and 4. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
even so we shall also we should also walk in newness of life. So these verses of scripture that I read there, that's an illustration of being dead to sin and raised to a new life in Christ. We're with Jesus Christ in life and in death. Uh, there's no separation for a child of God with God himself. There's no separation. We may be here on earth, but we're still not separated from him. We still have the Holy Spirit here to comfort us and lead us and guide us. There's no separation from him. Newness of life that it's talking about here, uh, what that means, it just means something new. It's something that's brand new. Newness of life. Something that was not before, but now it is. Uh, a, a, it's a different life is honestly what it is. We're raised to walk in the newness of life. So when you've been saved, when you've been born again, uh, you're, you are joined together with Christ in life and in death. And so uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, familiar scripture, says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So basically what this scripture is saying in verses 3 and 4, I know uh, there, there's a whole lot. I mean, honestly, we could probably stay on verses 3 and 4 and get into a lot of different things. Uh, but basically what this is saying is it's being united, being uh, covered up in Jesus. It's just an easy way to say it. Uh, is, what, is what the scripture speaks of there. Verses 5 through 7. For if we be planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. So planted together here, it means what I just said a second ago. It means to be in union with Christ. Philippians 3 and verse 10 says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. Conformable means to become like to become like Christ in our life, being it says being planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. We're planted together with Christ. So what that looks like in His death, what did Christ do? He, uh, Isaiah 53 talk, talks about the suffering servant. The life of a Christian is something that's not not talked about a lot, but it includes suffering. Being, being made conformable unto his death, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So as believers in our life, uh, it's not something that we see really a lot here now, uh, but may be coming is, is persecution of a Christian person and something that uh, it's, it's, it's a lot more uh, prevalent other places in the world. But to know him in the power of his resurrection and share in the fellowship of his suffering. So to suffer for Christ uh, is to know him in the power of his resurrection, but being made conformable unto him in, in his death. The old man that talks about here, uh, our sin has, has caused us to be dead. We're dead men. Uh, our old sin-filled man, the first Adam, this is what Adam is a picture of, the, the first sin. Adam, it was totally depraved. Our, our, our old man is totally depraved. It's good at nothing but sinning. Paul Washer says all the time, he says that if it wasn't for the restraining grace of God, every one of us, before we were converted, we would make Adolf Hitler look like a choir boy. And that's true. We don't like to think of ourselves that way. We think, well, I'm, you know, I ain't that bad of a person. No, you're worse than you think you are, and I am too. Uh, so our old man is, is totally depraved, just completely lost. There's nothing good that we do. The only thing that we're good at, honestly, is sinning uh, as our old man. The redeeming grace of God comes along 
And I love this saying, but it lays the axe to the root of the old man. The old sin-filled man, the grace of God comes in and makes a, a, takes a stony heart and makes it a heart of flesh. Thank God for that. Only Jesus can do that. I could, like, I could put lipstick on, on this pig all day long, but it's not going to make a difference. Uh, in God's eyes, I'm, I'm still totally depraved. I'm still lost. I'm still on my way to hell. But Jesus Christ came through and laid the axe to the root, and the redeeming grace of Jesus Christ regenerates men and women and causes us to be born again. Thank God for that. The Scripture says that if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. That's John eight thirty six. So being born again, we're no longer in chains of bondage. The old man is in bondage, enslaved to sin. It not only... Are you not good at anything but sinning, but you're also a slave to it. Uh, the things that you do, the things that you enjoy, you are, you're enslaved to those things. It's, it's crippling. It's, it's something that we in ourselves cannot do anything about. We're just a servant of the devil. Uh, we're dead, and, and there's nothing that we can do. But Jesus Christ, it says, if the Son shall make you free, you're free indeed. The old life, the old man has passed away, and we are free in Christ. Thank God for that. Uh, an example here, if, if you went to the doctor to, for your yearly checkup or something uh, and found through some testing that you had some, some kind of crippling disease, uh, the bad news you learn is that it has a very high death rate, uh, something that none of us would, would want to hear. The good news is that the doctor has a medicine on hand that will actually heal you from the, from the disease with just one dose. You can take the medicine and be healed. Uh, and and, and it's, it's simple as that. The, the, you're really burdened down with this news, but the good news is that the doctor has something that will heal you from that. Uh, just like us that are born again, we were once in, in bondage, like, he, like this person in this example was in, in bondage to the diagnosis that they got. They were crippled by the bad news that they got, but the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is what makes us uh, go from being in bondage, enslaved, to being Children of God being born again, we're set free, and we can now live like this person had a dose of this medicine that helped them. That's how we are. We're dead. Jesus Christ comes along and makes us new, and now we can live. Now we have life, even though we were alive before we were dead in our sins. But once we become Christians, we now can live. Verse 8 says, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Being dead with Christ. Galatians 2 and 20 says being crucified with Christ is, is, is how it puts it there. Um, we don't only have our relationship with Christ here and now, but we also have a promise we shall also live with him. Amen. It's not, uh, what an what a awesome, just a glorious promise that God made us that if we be dead with Christ, we believe also that we shall live with him. That's the hope that we have for tomorrow as Christian people, this is our blessed hope the Bible talks about. Yes. We're saved now. We're dead with Christ. We, we have a new life. But not only that, when we leave this life, um, it doesn't matter whether it's through a disease, through whatever, through something sudden. We believe because this is what the Bible says. If we die, we are with the Lord. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Amen. And that's, that's, that's the, the hope that we have. We believe that we shall live yes, with him. Verses 9 through 11, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. 
Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we ask the question, what assurance do I have that I can actually progress in, in being sanctified and in my sanctification? How do, I, how do I know in my life that uh, from the point that I'm saved that I can actually grow and be more like Christ? How do I know that God's going to uh, save me but then also work and, and cause me to be somebody that really loves Him more and, and really cares about Him more and cares about people more and, and, and loves His Word and loves to pray and all these things that we, that we know about Christian people. What assurance do I have that that's going to happen? In my life, because I'm because I'm a Christian. Well, number one, this isn't really number one that I, that I had wrote down, but number one, it's because God said He would. Amen. Uh, yes. he, he said in, uh, that He that began a good work in you will complete it yes. until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not a if and maybe. He began salvation, and He's going to finish it. Yes. Uh, and I promise you this: we're not stronger than God, and there's nothing that God's going to do to. to uh, separate us from him because he promised that he would continue and work in us but what he what he said he would do um, but what assurance do I have that I can progress number one we see in verse 9 Christ is raised from the dead if Christ hadn't raised from the dead the Bible says that we're still in our sins all this is in vain we would be out here tonight and it wouldn't be for any reason it'd be pointless we'd be like a bunch of maniacs honestly just sit around for this long and listen to somebody talk It'd, be, it'd all be in vain. It would be pointless. But I have assurance, not only my salvation, but that God's going to grow me and make me more like Him in my life. Number one, because Christ is raised from the dead. Number two, I like this one. It says, because He will never die again. He came one time to die, and He'll never die again. He, when He liveth, the Bible says He liveth unto God. Thank God for that. That's assurance that we have. What other assurance do I have? Because death has no dominion over him. He rose from the grave on the third day victorious. It wasn't an if, and, or maybe. He was victorious. That's the assurance that we have. He died unto sin one time. He didn't have to keep coming down here, keep dying for sin. He died unto sin one time. He made the perfect sacrifice one time. Mankind, in the Old Testament, you look at the sacrifices that were made. It was a bloody and a just a nasty time of sacrifice, 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 and it was never, ever going to be good enough. That's right. But there was one man that came oh, was yes. perfect and yes. lived a perfect life, yes. and he only died to sin one time. That's how we know as Christians we're going to continue in our walk with the Lord and grow and, and to be more like him. Because he lives, he lives unto God. Uh, it's, it's secure not only in, in, the, in the Son, but in the Father. Thank God for that. We also, we are also dead to sin and alive to God. So not only are we dead, dead with Christ, we have the newness of life, but we're dead to sin. And I talked about that earlier. It's not saying that we'll never sin anymore. It just says that our relationship with sin has changed. Yes. When we become a Christian, we're not the same person that we used to be. We don't like the same things that we used to like. We don't go to the same places we used to go. And it's not just because we just stopped doing those things. It's because the work of the Holy Spirit in our life helps us to do that. We're dead to sin and we're alive unto God in Jesus Christ. Number seven, it's because he's not left us alone. John 16, 13, and 14 says, When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall speak not of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he 
for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Because we've not been left alone is, is, is the promise that we have that we can go from salvation unto glorification in heaven. That's the promise we have because we're not left alone. God, when he left, he sent the Holy Spirit to come. And it indwells us as, as, as children of God. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's what uh, sanctifies us. That's how we walk from day to day in our life. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that kept you from doing something crazy. It's the Holy Spirit that keeps me from doing something crazy. And it's also the Holy Spirit that chastises me uh, when I do something that, that is crazy, when I do something that's against God's will. Uh, and so he's not left us alone. Uh, Philippians 2 and 12 tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, a lot of times it's just left there. Yeah. Work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It's up to you. You're saved. But work, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But thank God for the next word. Next Amen. verse. Yes. It says, But for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. Amen. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But hang on. It's God that works in you. It's not up to you and it's not up to me. I, I can go out and do all these things and that's not going to make me any closer to God, but the work of the Holy Spirit in yes. me is what draws me closer to God. It can Wearing a tie, wearing a suit, uh, carrying a, a whatever, uh, you know, the biggest Bible you've ever seen, none of those things are making me closer to God. Not one of those things are. Uh, becoming a, a member of a church, these different things, none of those things are be, causing us to become closer to God. The more we, we holiness is holiness and sanctification are pretty much interchangeable uh, in the scripture. But we we think of holiness uh, as as somebody that has long hair, wears a long skirt. And those things, there's nothing wrong with those things. I'm not knocking them by any means. But just because we do those things, that doesn't make us any more holy or any more sanctified. The things that cause us to be more holy and more sanctified is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. It's as simple as that. God didn't make it complicated. He really didn't. Thank God for it because simple-minded folks like me can understand it. Uh, It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. It's God that works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. God's the one that works in us. It's all of God. Salvation, sanctification, glorification, Everything from the time that we are saved, all of it is of God. All of it's of God. Uh, if it were of us, it'd be of works. It'd be waste. It'd be a waste. It'd be we would be wasting our time if it was of us. It would be something that we could do. Well, if I could do it myself, I wouldn't need God. If I could save myself, I wouldn't be here tonight. You all wouldn't be here tonight. Salvation is of grace by grace through faith. Ephesians says. I'll say this and then I'll, I'll sit down. Charles Spurgeon once said, Sanctification grows out of faith in Jesus Christ. Remember, holiness is a flower and not a root. It is not sanctification that saves, but salvation that sanctifies. I believe that's a true statement. We're not sanctified to be saved. We are saved and then we're sanctified and then we're glorified. Thank God that he put it that way. Uh, so where does that leave us? We're all guilty of breaking God's law. Each and every one of us are. Every one of us deserve death. The bad news about that is you can do absolutely nothing to change it. There's not one thing. You can't lift a finger. There's nothing that you can do to change that. The good news is that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Amen. He's the only perfect man that ever lived, lived a perfect life, 
being a perfect sacrifice, He satisfied the death sins that each and every one of us have. Only Christ can do that. He took the wrath of God that you and I deserve. And as I read tonight, He only died unto sin one time. He rose again victorious on the third day for our justification, the Bible says. So for people that are not Christians, there's no such thing as sanctification. People can start living right. That's what you hear a lot. I'm going to start living right. I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to start doing this. You're not a Christian if, if, that's, if that's what your salvation uh, is to you. You're not a Christian if that's the case. Uh, there's no such thing as sanctification for people that are not saved. Before we were born again, there's no sanctification that's already taken place in our life. Once we become Christians, then God begins a work in us that He's promised to finish. Thank God. Remember that our lives after becoming Christians, we live to the glory of God. That's what our job is as Christians. You say, well, what's the will of God in my life? To glorify God. That's, that's what we're here on earth to do. And we've all got something, different things that we can do and, and, all, and do, uh, but we're here, we're left here to glorify God and to become more like Jesus Christ, to be made conformable unto His death. That means we're not going to be the most popular people. We're not going to be the most wealthy people. Maybe sometimes people are wealthy. Uh, maybe you'll get lucky in that sense and share some money with me. I don't know, but we're we're not we're not we're not here to, for those things. Those things are things, worldly things, carnally minded things. Uh, but to become more like Jesus Christ, He was a humble servant. Never had a place He even laid His head. He wasn't here to make a name for Himself. He was here to do the will of God, the Father, the Son. So to answer someone's question, well, what should I do if I'm the person you were talking about earlier that's said, you know, I quit, I quit doing these things. I started doing things that were churchy. I started coming to church. I started carrying the Bible. What should I do? Because based on what you're telling me, Marcus, I'm really not a Christian. That's a dilemma to be in there. Yeah. But I've explained to you tonight the, what the gospel is. In uh, chapters 1 through 5, Paul explains it, what how to be justified it's by faith I've shown to you tonight through a few verses there's a lot more I probably could have said in Romans 6 of what sanctification looks like to grow in Christ but you may ask yourself well what do I do if I'm that person that's, that's done all these things but I've never really truly been born again mm-hmm. Jesus Christ preached these exact words yeah. repent and believe the gospel Amen. It was a message of repentance that, that Jesus came, John came preaching, Jesus came preaching. It's a message that we still teach and preach today. And nothing's changed. Repent means to turn from the, from the wickedness that you live in and trust in what Jesus has done on your behalf. And it's only a work of God that can do that. It's not just a decision you make on a whim. You don't wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to be a Christian today. God does that work in you. Don't forget that. Repent and believe the gospel.